Welcome to the PMPA's Speaking of Precision podcast featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller, David Wynn, and Miles Free. Hi, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA's Speaking of Precision podcast. Carly Kistler-Miller and David Wynn have joined me today, and we are going to discuss are we really using our statistical process control data to serve our customers? Welcome, Carly. Welcome, David. Thanks, Miles. Thank you, Miles. All right, statistical process control data. Those are all words you love. So <laughs> I live there. So you want to make sure that everybody everybody probably has it. Are they actually using it? Is that it? That is the $100 question. Do we have it, but are we really putting it to good use? And think of it like lean, you know, if I, why do I have it if I don't use it? Right. Why is it cluttering up my space? It has to bring you joy. Yes. I forget who does that. That's uh, Maria Kondo. Thank you. The joy of tidying up. I can't remember names anymore. Okay, so, but why is this important? Let's explain to our listeners why they need to care. Well, David, uh, let's just let's just start with you. Do you know your PPM? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't. <laughs> so and and you know and I I'm going to guess that a lot of shops don't know what their PPM is. I agree. You know, this is a saying that's been around for a long time in our family shop, and it was don't spend a dollar to get a nickel's worth of information. So <laughs> I think there was some of that going on, maybe a loss in value. Well, that's interesting. So the reason I ask is because I kind of see the dollar and the nickel reverse in the, that, that PPM data. If I can show that my the frequency of the occurrence that my customer is reporting is actually well within the agreed upon limits that we warranted when we did our initial part submission, then we can have a constructive and rational conversation about what expense do we need to go to to get it to an even better level. But if we don't know what the level is, it's just you're bad, fix it. Yeah. And I can answer uh, now. So we track what's called return shipments. So if somebody actually gives us a non-conformance and says that parts are bad. So I can't answer that. Two years ago, so in 2021 or 22, it was three. And in 23, it was zero. So out of like 1,250 shipments. Well, out of 1,250 shipments, it was zero returns? Zero returns, yes. That's awesome. That is awesome. All right. I'm going to ask the dumb question of the day. PPM, is that parts per minute? Parts per million. Parts, parts per, million. per million defects, yes. Defects. Oh, see, I wasn't even talking about the right stuff. Okay, I'm well, with you now. Okay, and that's, that's the importance of having <laughs> process control data, right? So if we know what our process capability is, then we can get a statistical estimate of what our expected, normally expected defect rate is. There's going to be some. There's going to be some. Even at six standard deviations, at six sigma, we're expecting one part per million. So if you get one out of, you know, half a million parts, is that really, is that really a problem? 
or is that your normal expectancy? How do we know? We don't know if well, we have no data. Okay, so I assume you're gonna tell us how to know or what to know, or does this have to do with our customers' PPM? What? Well, that's. I think it's important that when our customer tells us that they expect us to give them zero defects, zero on uh, lay, zero incidents, and zero anything else, that first we understand what their capability is. So, are they coming at this from uh, some iconoclastic place, or are they coming at this from uh, a true experience? It's been my experience that I was at a fraction of their performance and they're beating me up and the variation was actually in their matching parts. Okay, so do you, you, so you ask the customer? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I want, if I'm making a part that, that matches or that goes into something, I wanna know, I wanna know that capability on that side too. Because uh, like I said, they can, they can be the one causing all the variance, and they're beating up my people. My people will tighten and tighten and tighten, and now it gets looser and looser and looser. <laughs> and it's like, what's yeah. going on here? That can be a major problem. And it's also like two different engineers working on a project where you've got one print drawn by one engineer and one print drawn by another engineer, and it's going to two separate suppliers. So then you've got mating parts being made two separate places drawn by two separate engineers, and you, you don't have aligning tolerances and all sorts of other issues. And, and now we've got inter, inter laboratory or inter gauge, I mean, gauge calibration issues, different <laughs> gauge methods. So another problem I have with PPM is just a lot of our shops, we're not making a million pieces of a specific part. So how do we calculate that? Do we calculate it over a family or over all the parts for a certain customer? Or do we extrapolate it from 10,000 pieces we're going to make? Yeah, well, the extrapolate is, is rigorous. It's mathematical. I mean, multiplication doesn't fail. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. But sometimes the problem with extrapolation, I think, in calculating PPM is you're making 10,000 pieces and you catch a bad part. But then if you'd have made a million pieces, you might not have made any more bad parts. So you caught the one in a million. And so that it gets a little weird there. And I understand that the math works if you're talking 10 or 12 or 50 pieces over 10,000. Right. So I, I think, you know, I use the word PPM because that's what the customer measures. But, uh, you know, I was, I was living and dying by CPK. And, you know, 1.00 doesn't cut it. 1.33 doesn't cut it. I mean, I'm still expecting 27, 2800 PPM at, at yeah. three sigma, right? Plus or minus three sigma. So um, I think we need to know that. But if shops don't know that, then on what basis do they respond when an anomaly comes up? And, and wh what's their place to stand, as Archimedes famously asked? That's a good question. And I don't know. Um, that's one thing that I've seen, and especially coming from a small family shop, is that we lack in the statistical measurement of parts. But um, most customers nowadays are zero defect. And so you try to make to that. But then it's the question of how do you prove that you're zero defect other than 100% inspection? 
Well, well, you can't. And by the way, we know 100% inspection is only 80%, according to Dr. Deming. So, so that's not even an issue. But I think, you know, if we go back to the standard, the standard says document your capability. And that's, of course, why I say, what's our CPK? What's our capability? And by the way, I have yet to see a capability index that says perfect. I have yet to see yeah. it. So I want to document my capability. My capability appears to be you know, 500 ppm based on the CPK. So, so how do I answer the, the demanding customer? We've all had one of these. Yeah, you'll probably name the customer when I, and don't, don't shut it out. We don't need more <laughs> lawyers. But excellence means perfection in all that you do, Mr. Supplier. We expect perfect planning, perfect execution, perfect communications, and perfect parts. Sound familiar? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? It does. This is demonstrated. You will prove this to us with consistent delivery of quality products 100% on time. Our suppliers are expected to have zero incidents, zero disruptions, products with zero defectives, flawless delivery performance, and timely responsiveness to issues. I'm going to close the quote there. That was a quote. And by the way, if we have all that zero stuff, how can we possibly respond to non-existent issues? That's right. You know, I think this goes to the problem of the perfection complex we have in society now. Because how many of us have had somebody come to our house to install satellite internet, for instance, and they tell you, please give me a 10 on the survey. If I don't get a 10, I'm in trouble. When, you know, when I learned statistics in college, you threw out the tens and zeros and you worked on the data in the middle. Yeah, There's no data there. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you go uh, to the store, please give me a 10. You know, it's the perfection complex. Yeah. And, I, you know, the, the dealers, I would take a car in, like you said, you'd take the car in for an oil change or something. And then they, when they're checking you out and you're signing your receipt and invoice and and the papers, they say, now you're going to get a survey. And if you can't answer a 10, please call our manager right now. And I mean, wow, thumb on the scale much? Yeah. You know, where's the honesty in that? So it's games. It's just numbers games. Yeah, I agree with that. You even see that with online retailers. Like if you have a small business and you're selling through Etsy or eBay, they punish you if you get less than a five-star rating on your products. And so, and if you get below a 4.5, they start delisting you. <laughs> okay, I'm bringing it back because we could do this forever. <laughs> but so let me ask if everything's, you know, in quotes, perfect. What about like medical stuff and aerospace stuff? Doesn't that have to be 100% perfect? Well, absolutely. We need to have a process that's capable of meeting the re requirements. And my, my, you know, my standard sermon is contract review, understand the requirements. And then two, this is sermon number two, <laughs> document your process and understand your process capability. And if your process capability isn't anywhere near close to that six sigma, if it's down around three or four and a half sigma, you know, CPK of three, uh, uh, you know, it's time to build in some fail-safes into your process, some, some poke yokes, some mistakes, some functional gauging. And, and it's not inspection, it's part of the process. It's a validation step. We see that with, uh, you know, the robot can, can hit it with a gauge, whatever. 
but it doesn't pass if it doesn't pass. <laughs> There's a quote. Yeah. It doesn't ah. pass if it doesn't <laughs> pass. I think that's where um, some of the inspection steps that we've seen over the years in shops with like snapping gauges and go no go gauges with parts that be, it's it's simple. There's no way to you know it either goes or it doesn't. Right, right. So so really, my point is, if we don't have this data, then we're just going to get beat up by our customers. That's true. If we have this data and we don't employ it in a rational process, then we're defenseless against the demands of our customers. But if we actually have it, understand it, warrant what the data says to our customers, when they come back with an anomaly, which may or may not be part of our, our process of delivering, at least now we have the basis for a rational conversation and not just taking the scolding or the beating. Yeah. So it's better to have it, understand it, and be able to use it when needed. Absolutely. Tough love. Tough love. Tough love. Pound, pound it in the door of the, of the church, as Martin Luther did, right? <laughs> boom, boom, boom. So, but my point is, if we have it, we use it, we've already instructed the customer what level they can expect. We're actually serving them by informing them what our true capability is, rather than just having it and needing it for an emergency or as a rebuttal. We need to understand it. And then what what are we doing every day, right? Continuous improvement, you know? Yeah. This should not just be in a file somewhere. What it should be ongoing. What has my process changed? Has it shifted? Am I centered? Am I, you know, have I my standard deviation shrunk? You know, yay! You know, great coding. What happened? Right. The data will talk to us. I think that's the key to what you just said there about improvement, because you can't improve what you're not measuring, and I think that's a problem. A lot of times we go to try to improve something based on intuition, and sometimes our intuition's right based on the calculations our brain's done for us and our subconscious, but we don't have hard numbers to say that this went from point A to point B. I, I, th I think that's right. So, David, uh, I think the point is our process capability data shouldn't just be window dressing to help sales bring back the order. Okay, you just like jumped in my head and took the words out of my brain because the marketer in me is thinking, do they use this number for marketing, for sales, to bring in the orders. Uh, how many ads have we seen saying CPK of uh, five or four yeah. or, you know, three, nine? I mean, nobody, nobody puts it out there, but you give that to an engineer or a quality manager, and they'll, they'll be able to pick real quickly who they want to buy from. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, Okay. So All right, get, I got it. Get get in front of the right people with the right data, and then we don't get scolding calls from buyers. So it, it's not really a selling point. It's more of a, a backup. It's a backup. It's a way. It's a way to protect your company from risk. A customer can say, "Hey, I really need you to hold three ten thousandths on this diameter." Well, I know with a brand new tool, I can hold three ten thousandths on this diameter. But after 50 cuts, my 
I may not be able to hold that. If I have this data, I could say no, but by golly, if you could take six, I could hold it all day because my capability is, and that's how we, we get to the, the place where we have mutual agreement, mutual understanding, mutual trust, and mutual respect. And that's that the contract is, review that you talk about right there. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I, I think that it can be used for marketing, but you have to market to the right people. All a buyer really cares about is that you ship them what they bought and it gets to them on time and that their production goes on and their, their production manager doesn't scream at them. But what kind of buyers are you talking about? The only <laughs> buyers I've listened to are interested in price, 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 <laughs> price. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I So I agree. That's what they say. But what they really want is a hassle-free purchase. Well, I, I can't argue with that. I think your wisdom's showing bright, bright and shiny on that one, for sure. But Yeah. But if you get that data in front of the quality engineer or the engineer on the other side with the CPK, then that's a sales point to them. But I, I you know the buyers who you got to make a relationship with. So that's where the marketing comes in. You got to market to the buyer first. All right. So I'm bringing it back to the title here. Are we really using our statistical process control data to serve our customers? I think it's an evergreen question and, and Dave helped, helped guide us into this conversation with a, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, and, and so I would, I would just ask our listeners to honestly reflect. Do you have it? Do you know what your process is? Have you looked at what your customer's matching process is? Is it a good is is there a fit? And how else can you use this data to both serve your customer and protect your enterprise from risk? That wraps up today's podcast on using statistical process control data to serve our customers. Thank you for joining us. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. You don't want to miss one. Also, check out our Speaking of Suppliers podcast to hear how our technical members can help your shops. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org where you can find our knowledge centers filled with articles, webinars, more podcasts, and other resources just for precision machining. And if you aren't already taking advantage of a PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to learn how we can help you thrive. And why is a PMPA membership important, Carly and Miles? Because, because we, we are, are better together. together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision. Precision.